0: Today we've called uh, Purity Sunday. And uh, you may be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, we're followers of Jesus. Isn't every day Purity Day for us? Like, what what are you talking about Purity Sunday? We've called it Purity Sunday because the topic that we're addressing today is the topic of sexual purity. It's a topic that a lot of churches might shy away from because it's an uncomfortable topic. And yet it is a subject and an area of temptation That is a unique challenge in our culture. It is a temptation that is winning in so many homes. And as survey after survey has shown us recently, it's winning all the more during COVID. All of the numbers of those who are involved in sexual impurity are going up during this time uh, over the last nine months to a year. And so it's an extremely important topic for us to address. And our speaker today is Dave Jernander. Dave is one of our elders here at Friendship Church, as well as the president of a ministry called Quest Discipleship Ministries. Now, Quest is a ministry that is devoted to helping people know Jesus more so that they can gain victory and freedom, particularly in this area of sexual purity. Uh, Dave recently had his curriculum for Quest Discipleship Ministries published. Uh, And the foreword for that was written by a well-known Christian author named Josh McDowell. So we're excited about that and about the curriculums that he's put together. And guys, in particular, Uh, as you're listening, be mindful of the fact there's going to be a special opportunity for you that it will be addressed at the end of Dave's message so that we can go in deeper in this subject together. Would you guys welcome Dave with me? We're so thankful for his willingness to be here today.
1: Thank you, Pat. Thank you, everyone. Uh, By the way, if if you have your kids here, your teens here, please keep them here. Uh, This message is for everyone today, and what we hope to accomplish by the end of the day is that uh, we will motivate parents to have a healthy discussion uh, with their kids uh, about uh, sex and relationships within God's perfect uh, design. Um, This kind of reminds me, and this is Kind of a difficult subject to tackle, but a number of years ago, when I was gathering the material for Quest, and I was doing my research, uh, I went to what was then called uh, Northwestern Bookstores, and I bought several books on the subject, and the man on the other side of the counter uh, looked like he was probably about 60 to 65 years old, and So I'm in line next, and there's a long line of people behind me, and this guy, he's scanning all the books. And one of them was titled Sex, God's Way. So he gets there, and he scans that book, and that one goes face down. And I was a little bit disappointed. I kind of shook my head at the time, and I thought, you know, when we look in the book of Genesis and we see the process of creation, And when we get to the sixth day, the sixth day, God created the man and the woman. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I stumbled. I stumbled. (laughs) And when we get to the sixth day, God created the man and the woman. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Have sexual relations, produce children, fill the earth with my image for my glory. So God created sex, and sex is good when it's within the context of marriage. And that's what we want to learn about today. Another uh, few things that we want to touch to along the way is for those of you who aspire one day to get married, uh, you will see what that will look like and what to look for in a potential spouse uh, down the road. And uh, also for those of you who are married, this will help you to enhance your marriage. And I will ask that you please do not nudge your spouse as we're going through this and saying, hey, This is something you should be working on, because none of us is perfect. Uh, We all have uh, work to do, and uh, that includes uh, me as well. So we'll go through the uh, biblical scriptures uh, for today. Uh, We were created in God's image, and God said, Then let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Then God said, It is not good that the man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord... (laughs) All right, okay, here we go. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, "'This at last is bone of my bones,' and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed male and female he created them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it so what does it mean to be created in the image of god Well, when we look at the word image and likeness, they're both interchangeable. They mean essentially the same thing. So there are four parts that make us whole in the image of God, but we're also relational in that same respect. Spiritually, uh, God is spirit. No one has ever seen God. And so God has given us a spirit that indwells within us to communicate with God especially when we become born-again born Christians and the Spirit comes to live inside of us. We're able to commune with God. We're also created physically in the image of God. And some people may say, well, uh, wait a minute, I thought you said God is Spirit. No one's ever seen God, so how can we be created physically in the image of God? And the answer to that is, is that Adam was created perfectly He was without sin, without blemish, he was holy, he was perfect. So he's created perfect in the image of God. And then in the emotional category, God expresses a variety of emotions, uh, joy, uh, happiness, there's compassion, there's mercy, and there's anger. And unfortunately, due to the fall, um, many of us express those same emotions, but in a selfish way. And then we're also created mentally, in God's image. uh, God created. He designed the entire universe, and therefore, he's also given us the wisdom and knowledge to also build and design and create. And then on the relational aspect, uh, Pastor Matt a while back had done a sermon where he had a slide up here on the screen where there was a triangle, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all one and the same, but there are three distinct personalities within the Holy Trinity, all with different responsibilities in creation. And likewise it is for man, male and female. He created them. There is diversity in humanity, just as there is in the Holy Trinity, and each has their roles and responsibilities in creation. So the first in the order of relationships is companionship. Then God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So the first question is, what is a helper? Now, sometimes we look at the word helper in English, we think of Maybe an employer-employee relationship or maybe a master-slave relationship. In fact, it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid growing up. There was this old commercial on television. This guy's sitting back in his recliner chair, and he's got a beverage in his hand, and he's watching a football game. And so he gets done drinking his beverage, and he says, Hey, Marlene, bring me another one, will you? She said, Get it yourself,
0: Bob! <laughs>
1: Well, that's not the kind of helper we're talking about here. (laughs) In fact, if we want to get the definition of what we mean by helper here, the the best way to is from the complete Jewish Bible. It says, Adonai, God said, It is good that the man should be alone. I will make for him a companion suitable for helping him. Now, the definition of companion in the Hebrew is help meet, or you make me complete. So man is only one half of God's design for humanity, the woman is the other half. So the man completes the woman, and the woman completes the man. And when I stop and think about this many years ago, Billy Graham uh, did, uh, preached on this very topic, and he said that when God created the woman, he didn't take the bone out of the man's head so that he could dominate the woman intellectually. And he didn't take the bone out of Adam's foot so he could stomp on the woman and dominate her physically but he took the bone from the man's side so that the two could stand together side by side equally as one in the image of God and that's what the helper is so who brought the woman to the man and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he brought, he, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. This is very important, especially for those of you who are aspiring one day to get married. It's always important to seek God when you choose your mate. Lord, is this the one? Is this the one that you have chosen for me? Because far too often, and I've seen this in my own life and some of the friendships that I've had where the unbeliever will marry the believer and the unbeliever thinks that they can change the unbeliever. You can't change anybody, only God is capable of changing the unbeliever. And eventually what happens is the believer has got so much invested in the unbeliever and trying to convert them to Christ that eventually they end up getting tired. And what happens? They give up and they abandon their own faith. And then when there's kids involved because they're caught between two different worlds, they end up really becoming nothing. They don't want to take one side or another because they don't want to get caught in the middle. And so when we take a look in the Old Testament, God had always said to the Israelites, do not intermarry with women from foreign nations. Why? Because those women will lead you astray. You will abandon the Lord your God. And the Apostle Paul speaks to this as well. He says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? They are incompatible. So it is always important, seek the Lord, your God. Lord, is this the one you've chosen for me? Now notice that on this head topic up here, I said dating, physical, relationship. I'm going to touch on these on another slide when we move along. But notice that sex is not in there. And I've had many people in the past come up to me and say, well, we're in love. Well, but that's not God's design. Well, we're engaged, but that's not God's design. There are consequences for disobedience. and sexual sin, the consequences can be for a lifetime. So second of the order of relationships is the marriage. So first we had companionship. Then there's the marriage. Then the man said, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So what do we mean by one? There again, the complete Jewish Bible gives us a better, uh, because, because it incorporates the, f- there we go. Give me a hammer, will you, Matt? <laughs> This is why a man should leave his father and mother and stick with his wife, and they are to be one flesh. So stick is, included, is the definition of the word one. So if I glue two pieces of paper together, and then later on come and say, will you, will you separate these two pieces of paper? You'll never be able to do it. You'll end up destroying both pieces of paper. And that's just how solid the marriage should be It should be solid as one. In fact, I think about my own marriage to my wife, Renee. When we exchanged our wedding vows, we went to the altar and there was a a candle holder there with three candles in it. And there was one candle on each side, a large one in the middle. The one on each side represented Renee and one represented me. So when we took our wedding vows, we lifted up the candles, we lit the one in the middle, and then we blew out the two single candles and put those back. In other words, there's no more me, myself, and I. It's all about we and us and ours. And I've told my wife, you can use any tool in the house as long as you put it back. (laughs) Because it's mine. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's ours. Everything is ours. So there's no more me, myself, and I. It's all about we and us and ours. And when I think about the oneness too, And marriage, as Renee and I have grown together in our marriage, we've picked up on each other's mannerisms, speech patterns. We begin to think alike in many ways. And that took a lot of years uh, for us to get there. I'll be talking about that a little bit more, too, as we move along here. So last, in the order of relationships, the sex, so we have companionship, we have marriage, and then there's sex. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So in other words, he's saying, Have sexual relationships, produce children, fill the earth with my image for my glory. So when Adam and Eve were producing children, they were to carry forth the image of God. What is that? That is to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how you and I bear the fruit of the Spirit, and we, we show the world the invisible God in a visible way. So now we have uh, what's perfect intimacy. They were naked and unashamed, and they were completely comfortable in their nakedness. Now, Dr. Harry Schomburg, in his book titled False Intimacy, writes about perfect intimacy. They were joined together sexually and relationally with the fullest of pleasure without hesitation or a hint of doubt. False intimacy, by the way, does not ex- or, excuse me, perfect intimacy today does not exist. That was true only in the Garden of Eden. Now we have two other kinds of intimacy in the generation that we presently live in. There's false intimacy, which is when one partner is totally disconnected from the other, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. They're totally disengaged, and they use sex as a ways and means of killing the pain of the past. And that's so very true in our culture today. And then there's what we call real intimacy, where the couple are connected together and they're committed, relationally and sexually, but in their subconscious, back of their mind, there's three fears. There's the fear of abandonment, and there's also the, the, the fear of the loss of self-control. And there are other fears related to those two things as well. How would we describe abandonment today? Well, divorce. Unfortunately, that's very prevalent in society too, both within and without the church. And so there's that subconscious fear, even though it is real intimacy. I'm going to turn this off and then turn it back on once. And... Okay, so Adam and Eve experienced perfect intimacy as long as they were absolutely, totally, and completely dependent upon God. And unfortunately, due to the fall, they wanted to be like God and they decided to live independently of him, and that's what we experience in today's world. This is why we are the way that we are. So let's take a look at the spiritual relationship within the context of marriage, or if you're, you're dating or whatever, this is, or, or aspire to be married, this is what you wanna look for. So when we commit our lives over to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He puts a hunger in our hearts to desire uh, to know him. And so we we pursue God, we know God, so how do we know God? We spend time with God. How do we spend time with God? We practice the spiritual disciplines. That is scripture reading, memorization, meditation, application, journaling, prayer, service. God has gifted us all with spiritual gifts to serve him in some way or another. And I've often said we were all created by God for God to love and serve God by loving and serving others. That leads us to genuine fellowship with God and genuine fellowship with other believers. This is the glue that holds the marriage together. So it's important that the couple come together, spend time together in God's Word, but it's also important that you also spend time alone with God, and that helps you to grow in your marriage. Then there's uh, the marital, and notice this is marital, physical relationship. There's eye contact. When you make eye contact with your spouse, you're saying, I care about you. I love you. I'm interested in you. I want to hear what you have to say. And then there's holding hands. I'm not always successful at this, but um, I learned early in our marriage when I would always reach out and take Renee's hand when we were walking in the store whatever but then when it got really hot and muggy outside she would say don't touch me it's too hot <laughs> so I learned that though there are times you know I can hold your hand and there's times I can't so but then there's the hugging and the cuddling and the kissing that that is acceptance you, you show your love for them in that physical way and notice that sex is the last thing on the list while it might be important it might be an important part of your relationship it's not the most important part let's take a look at the emotional category and i want you to pay attention especially to these first three things here unconditional sacrificial and selfless love now unfortunately today this has all been completely reversed and this by the way is a commitment it's a commitment that's what's so important about it and today unfortunately some of you may be very well aware nobody's taking I shouldn't say nobody but a lot of people are no longer taking the traditional wedding vows for richer for poor for better for worse and sickness and health till death do us part if you notice in those vows that I recited there's nothing in there about feelings This has nothing to do with emotional feelings, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that love is not a feeling, but we have to be realistic. Feelings come and go. And if you're one of those people that when you're with somebody and you're riding this tidal wave of emotional feeling, you're not going to stay up there forever. Eventually, the wave comes crashing down, and eventually, when you've lost that loving feeling, as the song says, then it's time to move on we find somebody else who takes us to that emotional high only to bring you down again later so we're not talking about feelings it's a commitment and when i look at these three categories right here um, i'll use an example from my own marriage uh, with Renee. renee's far more adventurous than i am she likes to try different ethnic foods and go to different places in the world i have my little uh, comfort circle i don't like to go outside of that and so uh, one year i thought that i would surprise her for her birthday and so i took her to a restaurant in south minneapolis i was a little nervous going there because i didn't wasn't sure if i was going to like the food or not well it turned out that our meal was good and then as we walked out of the restaurant she said you know i grew up in this neighborhood i didn't know that so she said hey can we drive a couple blocks down the road, and I'll show you where I lived in the house that I lived in. So we went there and, hey, you see that window up there? That's where my bedroom was. So she would tell me what it was like living there. And then she said, if, if we drive a little ways further down the road, she said, I'll show you the, the playground that me and my friends played in. So I stepped outside of my comfort zone, and when she got home, she said this was the best birthday gift ever because I stepped outside of my comfort zone. It was far more than I could have ever imagined. And that brings me to the next point, pure motives. I've often said, if you can't do something for somebody without expecting something in return, don't do it at all. Unfortunately, in today's world, somebody may secretly do something, but expect to get this in return. That's a contract. That's not a commitment. So do it out of the goodness of your heart or don't do it at all. Then there's effective communication along with the healthy conflict resolution. Those two items go together. And so there really isn't anything that Renee and I cannot uh, talk about. And so when it comes to the healthy conflict resolution, we were not so successful with that early in our marriage. We talked like kids, acted like kids, fought like kids. If you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. Or if you hadn't said this, I wouldn't have said that. But since we spend time with God and his word and we've grown, now we sit down, we have a nice conversation. I admit my wrong, she admits her wrong. And I will tell you, because having counseled married couples for many years along with individuals, there's almost always two sides to every conflict. And if you only own 1%, and you're at fault for 1%, own it. Stop arguing about it. Don't justify it. Rationalize it. Minimize it. Admit to it. Ask each other for forgiveness and move on. Then there's the mental relationship. Now, if you can can manage to take care of business in the spiritual realm as well as the physical and the emotional realm, this will all come together for you right here. You begin to have the absence of chaos, and the relationship is replaced with peace. Security, you feel safe in the other person's presence. And then there's trust. And along with that, there's openness. Openness meaning that we're transparent with one another. We share our life's disappointments, our problems, our dreams, our goals, our aspirations. And then the support and encouragement. A number of years ago, Renee wasn't sure how he was gonna react to this or respond. But she came to me and said, I I want to go back to school. I want to pursue a master's degree in business communication. And I said, go for it. I know you can do this. And I got behind her and I supported her, encouraged her all the way. And there were times she wanted to throw in the towel because it was getting too long and drawn out. She was working full time, going to school full time. And I kept saying, you're getting there, just keep going. And she managed to finish. And Then unbeknownst to me, uh, I got called into the field of ministry, and God specifically sent me to Crown College, and then afterwards sent me to Bethel Seminary. And so then Renee was my cheerleader, and she got behind me and was supporting me and encouraging me. And there was nine long years of schooling, and so there were many times I wanted to throw in the towel and call it quits, but she was right there to say, look, you can do this. So we were supporting and encouraging each other along the way. And then that brings me to the Go back one, please. <laughs> uh, we continued to learn and know about each other. So remember earlier when I said that I stepped outside of my comfort zone and I took Renee out for dinner. Then I found out about the neighborhood that she lived in, the house she lived in, the park she played in. I learned something new that I didn't know before. In fact, one night we when we were sitting down eating our meal for supper, and. Um, we were talking and she said, Dave, I never knew that about you. So we're always learning about each other and getting to know each other better. I'm going to stop right here for a minute. I'm going to share a story with you. Uh, this I'm just pulling a name out of the air and I'm just going to use the name Jerry, although this wasn't my friend's name. But a number of years ago, Jerry had came to me and his marriage not was not doing very well. And so when he was talking to me, uh, all that Jerry ever cared about was sex. His wife was complaining, you know, we never hold hands, we don't ever cuddle, we, don't, we rarely ever kiss. And so Jerry said, you know, I don't have time for this and you fill in the blank. That marriage failed and I'm gonna tell you why. We covered four different categories here today. We covered the spiritual, the physical, the emotional, and the mental. And what's happening here is he was using sex to make up for all of those things that were absent in their relationship. And I will tell you point blank, you will never, ever, ever get enough sex to make up for everything that you're missing out on. So not only did Jerry fail to meet his wife's needs, he failed to get his own needs met. This isn't what sex is about. And so when you look at the math that's been done here, we have four categories, the spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, and you saw the six subcategories surrounding each one of those. Sex is one twenty-fourth or four percent of the entire marriage relationship. And it is important for me to emphasize this because I have had, over the years, many young men, especially in high school, some of them from this church, who've come up to me and said, you know what, it's pretty easy for you to stand up there and talk about sexual purity. You're married, sex is free, and you can have sex whenever you want. We happen to be very wrong. I hope you found your answer today. It's a very very small part of the entire marriage relationship so moving on so sex is only four percent of the entire marriage relationship if you're unhappy with the amount of sex you receive in marriage it's most likely because we are lacking in all areas of God's purpose and design for fulfilling relationships Therefore, those who seek to fill the void by demanding or having more sex will be disappointed because, like King Solomon, they will never, ever get enough." This is why I wanted to open up the door for discussion for you to have with your kids, a healthy discussion. Because you know what, if you don't talk to your kids about this and show them what real intimacy looks like, you're going to have problems. One of them is you're going to create mistrust in the family and when there's mistrust in the family that leads to curiosity they will go find the information that they are looking for whether it comes from their friends the internet or school or wherever that may be and more than often enough it's very very misleading I have seen the sex education curriculum in some of the schools in the area and they are very graphic and they by by no means teach this, what you're learning here today. It's important for you to get to your kids before the world gets to your kids. That's just how important it is. So, here's some resources for parents today because I realize that it's not easy uh, for parents to have discussions with their kids. Uh, This one here is a straight talk with your kids about sex from Josh McDowell. This uh, educates parents on how to talk to their kids from little on all the way on up and then there's the bare facts by josh mcdowell also Uh, 39 questions your parents hope you never ask about sex move on to the next slide here's the resources for the young teenage man every young man's battle by stephen arterburn and once again here's a common source that you can share with your parents the bare facts and the next one is Every Young Woman's Battle by Shannon Etheridge. And there again, another common source parents can share with their kids. And so that may, you may wonder, well, why am I showing you other people's sources when I probably should be probably selling my own? Well, there are many different purity ministries out there in the world today, but each one serves its own specific purpose. And the way in which Quest is different from everyone else is that we take you to your past. Because unfortunately, many people in today's society are using pornography and they engage in promiscuous sex to kill the pain of the past. And so what you learned here today comes from the first book. And now on Tuesday night, here at the Prior Lake Campus, we're gonna be talking about the fall and how that has affected sexuality today because the world has perverted it. I'm not going to go through everything that's going to be in all these workbooks, but when you get to the second workbook, notice that the title is Overcoming the Past That Triggers My Problems. And here we may talk about parental favoritism, there's anger, there's unforgiveness. All these things are energy that demand to be released, and so people don't know how to solve their problems, so what do they do? They turn to pornography, or they turn to promiscuous sex to kill the pain. And then the last one is how to heal grow spiritually and walk in freedom and there we're going to give you some software uh, to download on your computer to keep you safe as well as your members of your family how to spiritually clean uh, your house and we'll be covering other topics just like that so that you can live a healthy life and so moving on we'll advance to the next slide here so here's the focus of quest dysfunctional family trauma and uh, sex-addicted, media-saturated culture. Now, if you look at those things in the order that they are listed, this was conducted by a survey of Christian counselors as well as secular counselors. These are the top three reasons people end up in a counselor's office, exactly in that order. Number one at the top of the list dysfunctional family, and then there's trauma. Some people have experienced physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, and they've been sexually abused. In fact, most of the men that I've I've, uh, counseled and and talked to over the years, many of them, including myself, were sexually abused as a child. And so we gravitate towards pornography to kill the pain of the past because we don't know how to solve it. And then there's a sex-addicted, media-saturated culture. Let's face it, that is the world that we live in right now. And I've often said when I teach and celebrate recovery, you can drive down the highway and see a half-naked woman on a billboard sign selling car insurance, and I'm not exactly sure how the two are related, but it's, it's the world that we live in. So wherever there are physical, emotional, mental problems, I've often said there are spiritual problems. So what we try to focus on in Quest is to get you right in a right relationship with Christ. And then we start addressing all these other areas some of you may fall into one of those categories maybe two or maybe all three for me i fell into all three categories and many of you probably already know as i've mentioned many times in the front i struggled with the 33 year addiction to pornography before i finally found victory but i had to go back into my past and i heard a pastor some years ago preach and say you know what god's not going to move the mountain He'll give you the strength to climb the mountain. So take care of your problems. It's difficult climbing the mountain, but it's a lot easier descending the mountain. And when you get down on the other side, there's peace, there's joy, there's contentment, there's freedom. That's what we want for you. Go ahead and advance to the next slide here. So if any of you wish to back one, there you go. So if any of you wish to contact me, You can email me at davidj at questdm.com or questdiscipleshipministries.org and I'll be happy to answer your questions. And then I've got some questions for you to engage with in uh, the family as a whole. Uh, What is your definition of love in comparison to what the world is? What are the characteristics of true companionship from what we've learned today? How do you feel about the specific order of events in God's creation of the woman for the man, companionship, marriage, and then sex? What are your expectations for companionship and sex in your present or future marriage relationship? What would be the physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental benefits of following God's plan for companionship, marriage, and sex? In what ways does our present culture and media disagree with God's purpose and design for sex and relationships? That's a good starting point for you to engage with your your kids, in discussion on this. I'm going to close us in prayer, then we'll turn this over to the worship team. Uh, Father God, we thank you, uh, Lord, for your message today. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that we are able, Lord, to talk about this in the church. Uh, There are many churches out there, Lord, that do not discuss this, but need to open up the doors for communication in this manner. I pray, Lord, for the marriages, Lord, that are struggling, and I pray, Father God, that you intercede on their behalf and that they seek your wisdom and your guidance, your direction, your counsel. I pray for all the young kids here today that are struggling because we live in a media-saturated, sex-saturated culture. I pray, Father God, that you put a dome of protection over all of us, protect us physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. May we always seek your guidance, and your direction for our lives. And when it comes to selecting a spouse in the future, Lord, for those who aspire to get married, may they always remember that it was you who brought the woman to the man. And I pray, Lord, that they will always seek you and ask, Lord, is this the one? And we ask and pray all this in Jesus' awesome and precious name. Amen.